three, two, one. Welcome back. We have a uh, very special episode this week. We are going to be doing some World Cup preview. We're going to be talking about, obviously, the Stars and Stripes, since this is so we're in the States. And uh, we, we're going to have uh, a special guest in here today. Uh, but first, how are you doing today, Nashi? How's it going, buddy? You yeah, a little yeah. scared of the Stars and Stripes? Yeah, I'm, getting a, I'm a little bit intimidated by that hat you're wearing. Um, I'm glad for the people listening to this can't can't see that because it's quite it was quite traumatizing when I when I turn the camera on. But yeah, I'm, I'm getting fired up. I'm getting emotionally prepared to uh, yeah to preview this yeah. World Cup. We got we got big some big rivalries on the horizon and uh, yeah yeah I'm excited. Yeah, I got a nice new haircut here with uh, with some nice color in it, so I'm I'm pretty happy with it. Um, yeah, so we've got obviously our very special guest also from Group B representing the beautiful nation of Wales. This is Harry Trades. How are you today, buddy? Yeah, man, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. I think this is my my uh, my brace, isn't it, on the channel? Yeah, I, I believe so. I don't think we've had anyone come on three times, so that, that's okay. still open. It's still open. We we rotate around quite a bit here. There's a lot of football yeah. out there. Yeah, you're, you're, I don't mind you're it. getting there. Yeah, you're, you're definitely getting there. Um, but yeah, good, and actually, good. actually, um, yeah, you'll be you'll be heading to Qatar to uh, to take in some of the uh, some of the Welsh games here. Um, so tell us a little bit about that, kind of how that how that came up. Obviously, it's been a, a long time since Wales has been in the World Cup. Um, so tell us about you know the plan and, and and where you're going. Yeah, man. So I think it's 64 years since we last in the World Cup. But um, yeah, me and my me and my friends have, have sort of booked on to spend 10 days in Qatar, uh, starting literally, I, I fly out, th- well, three weeks today. So we're filming on Sunday, the 30th, I think it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So three weeks today is when we fly out. And I'm, like I said, there for 10 days, I'm getting to see the three, uh, Welsh group stage games, which is, um, us, Iran and England. And then I'm also going to watch Brazil, Serbia, um, Canada, Croatia, and Ooh. Germany, Japan. So six games in, I think we're there technically nine days. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, it was one of those things where like, I didn't go to the Euros in 2016. Um, I was actually on a on a lad's holiday in Ayanapa at the time. So yeah, just priorities. Um, but yeah, no, my, I know my mates went, so I was a bit like jealous of that. And obviously we got to the semis and, and obviously Portugal knocked us out. Um, and yeah, I was just like, you know what? There's no better chance. Or like they just, I just can't turn down this opportunity as expensive as it is. I kind of just have to do it. And obviously on top of that, you know, it's, it's an opportunity for, for me to make a bit of content as well that I can look back on and sort of, yeah, just, just be grateful for, you know? Yeah. It's one of them things you never know. Like it's a bit of a, you've got some good players coming through in Wales. I'm sure we'll get onto that, but like you've got a bit of the last hurrah of this golden like world-class couple of world-class talents in there. And like, they've got you there and it's almost like, yeah, it could be a once in a lifetime. And if it is, you'll always kick yourself if you didn't get out there. How, how big was that? How hard was like the process? What, what was the process like of actually like booking up and organizing to go to Qatar? Cause I know like obviously a lot of fans have been going through that process. There's been a lot of media like saying that there's shortages here and this is trouble. Has it been tough for you or how, what's kind of the process look like and how have you navigated it? 
Yeah, so I've been quite lucky. Like, so there's, I think there's seven of us, seven of my my high school friends were, were all going together. And we luckily all booked on as like a package deal through like a, a Welsh company that do a lot of the like away trips for Wales away. Um, so thankfully in that sense, although we've paid quite a lot, um, the logistics side of things is being taken care of in that sense. Like we're flying, we're flying from Cardiff, which is nice, like not far from us. I haven't got to go to London. Um, and yeah, we've only just found out about like our accommodation, like, and, and kind of where it's at. And I, I'll be honest, I still haven't seen a picture of it. Like I'm, I'm that sort of like tapped out of it. Like I don't really care at this point. Like I just, I know, like, I'm not getting my hopes up too much. All I know is there's an indoor pool apparently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as advertised so yeah no it's been like it's been pretty smooth from my side of things like i didn't have to like i wasn't like the lead book or anything i just gave the money to my friend who was the lead book and yeah i kind of just like taken a backseat and stuff um but yeah the, the whole package deal has made it like a lot smoother i know like one of my mates is having to fly from vancouver to london get on a plane with a load of english fans and then to Qatar from from London and, and to meet us, so he's obviously had to do it a different route, obviously because he's not in Wales right now. So yeah, this, it could be like a bit of a logistical nightmare. But he's even though he's like got to do like two flights to get out there and stuff, his one's like a thousand pounds. Like his whole trip is like a thousand pounds cheaper than ours because of like because he hasn't booked on like on a package deal. So yeah, that I've had it easy in that sense, but it could, yeah, like you mentioned, there has been stuff in the press and stuff, and it does, I think it can get a lot more complicated because people are flying to like Dubai and then you've got to get like shuttles into Qatar and it's like, you need to get COVID tests in and out. Like there's loads of like just nightmare situations that you can get yourself into. I know people who are flying to Jordan and then to Qatar and then like people are flying to Saudi Arabia. Like there's loads of like detours and stuff, mate. Honestly, it's nuts. Just from a content standpoint, you could have... uh... You could have took one of them balmy sort of trips and try to figure it out and chaos going through. It'd be a bit of entertainment for us at the minimum, you know what I mean? That'd be that'd be really funny. Try yeah, backpacking through Jordan to Qatar. That'd be it. We're gonna see Harry on the back of a camel, like riding through the desert trying to get to the get to the match. Um, what 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 do you know about kind of the restrictions once you're actually there? Like a lot has been made about, you know all the different laws in Qatar about, you know, no drinking, no, no, you know, um, there's all kinds of like moral laws that they have. Um, do you know how strict they're going to be with that kind of thing? Has, has any of that like been communicated to you guys? I'll be honest, not like a crazy amount. Like I've been to Dubai before. So like, I mean, I, I kind of know how the sort of situation is in these sort of, uh, Middle Eastern countries. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, yeah, there's this, 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 some, I don't know what the actual rule is on the alcohol, but like, I know they sell alcohol out there and it's like stupidly expensive. We contacted this guy who lives out there. He's Welsh and he tried to charge, like he was trying to like basically like upsell on like a crate of like 12 Coronas. He was charging like a hundred pounds on a 12 pack. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like you can buy, like I, like I, I, my mate in Vancouver, his older is sorry. His mate's older brother is like a teacher out there. And like, he got us, ended up getting us like two crates for like 60 pounds or like a bit cheaper than a hundred. Um, because yeah, they, they think that like, there's just going to be a massive shortage of like alcohol and stuff. And yeah, it's just going to be crazy. There's like, they're trying to say now that like a lot of the places like restaurants, not so much restaurants, but bars and stuff are going to actually charge you just to get in. Never mind Like just to drink or eat. Like it's legit. Like this entry on the door to pay where they wouldn't be otherwise, obviously because it's the 
World Cup. So yeah, I like like I said, I've kind of tapped out of the situation. I should probably know more um, in that sense. But yeah, like you mentioned, there is a few um, yeah things that you know people have got to be careful about. And yeah, I'm just trying to keep myself to myself. Just film a few vlogs and get out of there. To be honest, it sounds like uh, there's an opportunity there for you, mate. You can move on from flipping under 23s to flipping crates of Corona. You know what I mean? You might, <laughs> might make a few thresholds. You know what I mean? As you go, I don't know. mate. I need those thresholds, mate. I can't buy a threshold right now. <laughs> yeah, I all- know. Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna talk quite a bit about the World Cup in general, but um, let's kind of dive in right to Group B, which is the reason that all of us are here: um, England, Iran, United States, and Wales entering into Group B. So we've kind of got one of each of us from three of the four countries. So we'll just kind of all break down, you know, our teams, what we think our chances are. Obviously, all three of us think we're gonna make it through. Um, but <laughs> obviously all three of us can't make it through. So somebody's going to go home. Um, but I guess we'll start with you, Nashi. Let's we'll break down England a little bit. Um, talk to me about the squad, the squad depth, obviously high expectations in this world cup. How deep can England go? I mean, obviously as an England fan, I feel a bit torn, um, kind of going into this one. Cause obviously we've had some good runs in a, in the last tournament, it was massive high. It was such a high getting there. And then we fell right at the last hurdle. So you'd think we'd be flying coming into it. But in, in the run-up, we've we've had a few few wobbles. Like it's not looked, it's not looked flawless. It's not kind of the sentiment around the team isn't what you'd kind of want it to be. And I think like obviously Gareth Southgate's had his critics, and I'm not like his biggest fan. Um, they're kind of a lot of people say, I guess, on the to who are against Southgate is that he's had some success, of course, but they kind of say, well, with this squad and with the the way the fixtures have lined up in a couple of these past tournaments, you know, like my grandma could have stuck a team out there and probably done about the same. He's not going to be an X factor as a manager. He's not going to, and when these big moments come and in the world cup, we're going to come up against some teams and some moments that are potentially bigger because, and maybe that'll be, that's the point I'm worried about, these managerial decisions. You know, we, you, you, you don't want to be going into a World Cup worried about a manager. I know the US have some similar concerns that you'll get onto, but that's kind of the only thing because on paper, you look at our squad and no matter how you want to dress it up, but not even being biased, they're just there's world-class players in almost every position. And on in football, anything can happen. And on any given day in a knockout tournament, there's no reason that that team can't go all the way. I don't think the the I don't think I mean it might be an English British thing, but the optimism's like there, but it's still a bit reserved, and there's still a bit of like I'm sure if things start going wrong, there'll be people jumping on on Southgate specifically, and a couple of these players, obviously Harry Maguire jumps out, is kind of a, taking a lot of stick over the last uh, few months. So yeah, it's kind of a, a mixed feeling inside. There's part of me that wants to be very excited. We've got a, a really easy group, as you boys know. So that should be a breeze. And then, uh, and then, yeah, we. I, I think we got to play. We got the pieces to go on a run. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's there for us. But I, my expectations aren't possibly as high as the talent in the squad should dictate. Because it's England. Because you know you're ready to be sort of disappointed. And 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 we we just haven't been able to get over that final hurdle. Um, in the past so and there's some some brilliant teams around so yeah that's where we're at I'm looking forward to the games obviously being in the states and being drawn in a group with you with the USA is massive um should be a really fun time but 
yeah, I can't, I can't sit here hand on heart and say we're going to win it all just yet. I've got to see. It, then the, I think the group, although we're big favourites, I think it will tell a lot about how we're going to get on in a tournament. What do you think? Just quick follow up here. What do you think the chances are that England takes all nine points from the group? Um, I mean, did we obviously have a good chance? We should take all nine, but tournament football, football in general, big moments. I think, I think we'll, we'll, we'll. What I think one of one of the teams will get a draw off us. I mean, we'll get, we'll have seven points. I think it'll be enough. But um, yeah, if I mean, like the US and Wales, they're not going to roll over. It's I mean massive games, like for the players, but also like there's a bit of a rivalry there. There's a bit of history between obviously the British connection and then the the US. And you know, we used to own you boys, so it's going to be a bit of a bit. Of, you you a bit used of a... to own us, but you have never beaten us in a World Cup. So yeah. Yeah, so I think, uh, <laughs> I think there'll be big rivalry games, big moments, and and yeah, I think there could be some upsets, but I think we'll get through the group and then it, the tournament really should start for us um, after that. Um, I mean, we what, going into it, a couple of players to pick out, like Harry Kane's massive for us. Like we lose, Harry Kane gets injured before then, so the, the whole complexion changes. Like he's just... So he's a leader and he's that world-class striker that you're going to need and to get your goal in these knockout tournaments. We now have, in the centre of the park, I think Jude Bellingham's form has been globally recognised. He's taken his game up another level. Um, and, like, this could be... Like, he's already kind of known as world-class. He's talked about everywhere. But if he comes in and keeps this up in an international stage in this tournament, he could just go galactic with his sort of... Yeah. reputation with his confidence with his you know and he's a player I'm really excited to see because he's done it now for Dortmund he's played for England but he hasn't starred for England and I think this could be his stage he's in there next to obviously Declan Rice my uh, big fan of Declan Rice like he's quality player he's, he's not he's not gonna have the role he has for West Ham for England because there's enough talent around him where he doesn't have to be driving forward and doing that but at the role he's we need him to do for England. He's he's going to be really effective. And then we've got a bunch of attacking talent we can rotate out. So there's no real excuse. Big talking point, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, maybe Harry can put his opinion on that. What do you think, Harry? Would You're an under-23 sort of connoisseur. Trent's a big player there. What's your, what's your opinion as an outsider on the Trent situation? Would you, would you have him in a team? I know he picked up a little knock recently, but what's your thought versus the defending versus the sort of attacking. Would you want to see when the team sheet comes out against Wales, would you want to see Trent in there or not? Yeah, I'd prefer if Trent played personally. Because... As, a Wales, as a Wales fan? Or... <laughs> as a Wales fan, yeah. Oh, right. Mate, I, I'm not having Trent, I'm sorry. Defensively, I'm just not having him. I think he just gets exposed too much. I watched a game last night against Leeds. I don't know if you watched it. Brendan Aronson gets in on his inside. Aronson hits the bar, could have easily scored. Trent's I don't know. Trent right now, it, he needs a rocket up his, up his ass. And I just don't know why he hasn't got one because, um, yeah, I just think he's just like going through, he just seems like he's just going through the motions. The way he plays, he's never been like the most sort of energetic in his like playing style. He's very elegant and very, you know, classy. But right now, defensively, and, and not that this has never been a problem because it always has been, but it just seems, it seems like it's just getting worse. Like Neville speaks about it. Like he's, he's like, he's like obviously going forward, the best right back there probably ever will be, if we're being honest, offensively. But just defensively, he's just, I think he just lets, especially Liverpool down. And I think that then means that his England chances just get sort of diminished. But to be fair, I'm just looking at the defenders now. Obviously, you got Walker out. You got 
Reese James out, who I think is a better all-round player personally as a right back or right wing back, whatever you want to categorize him as. And um, yeah, obviously, and then you've got Kieran Trippier, who's been unbelievable recently for Newcastle. So like if I'm like if I'm Southgate, and I even think if I weren't, I think anyone picks Kieran Trippier right now over Trent, regardless of attacking prowess, because we know how good Trippier is going forward. Trippier takes free kicks. He's basically Trent going forward, but I think just a bit more reliable, you know, defensively. So I think it'd be too much of a risk for for Southgate to to go with Trent. I think. I don't know what you guys think about that. I think Trippier. Because he's playing so well, it'd be stupid not to play him. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think I'm on board. And Southgate loves Kieran Trippier. Even when Trippier was a bit out of favour and over in um, Atletico, he still was picking him for the team and he was going to be a criticism for that. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like that thing. Like the, the risk with Trent now is like the media and everyone, there's pressure on him, you know, and then you're going into the biggest pressure cauldron. He's played in big games, of course, but the World Cup's a whole, whole new level, you know, and like... Yeah, you don't want to be playing in these critical moments with that thought in that doubt in your back of your mind as a defender. And uh yeah, Trippier on the other hand is flying. He's got the armband at Newcastle. They've had a really good start defensively, they're great. Another player, Dan Byrne, um, had a really good season for them. Maybe he has a look at the squad as sort of an outsider. But yeah, I mean, and and if you look at England, the midfield kind of speaks for itself, the attacking options we've got in abundance. I think the only question marks come around the, the back four, you know, how it's going to look. And mm-hmm. again, that's the thing that Southgate's going to get right. And I think that you go with form, you go with experience. Trippier has both. He might not yeah. have the talent really of Trent, like you say, but there's these other things that come into play in these big tournaments that you need to take account of. And, uh, and yeah, when you look at the opposition we're coming up against, like, you know, both the US and Wales, a lot of their talent's going to be out wide. A lot yeah. of their talent's going to be on the counter-attack, I think, against us. So that being said, you don't want to leave any holes open. So maybe maybe that's how it looks. And I mean, for so rare, obviously, so rare, that's kind of relevant because a lot of people, I think, would have earlier on in the season looked at Trent Alexander-Arnold and said, you're going to be smashing for Liverpool this year. And then once we get to the World Cup, we've got a really effective player where England are going in as favourites to these games and but yeah there's something to look out for he might he might find himself on the bench I think he probably will so yeah it's interesting yeah definitely uh definitely be an interesting one to watch here for England is he trying to bring bring the trophy home but no one wants to hear about England right no one no one cares about the English players let's get to the team everybody else wants to hear about the 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 little tiny underdog from Wales coming back to the World Cup Tons of time that they've missed from the World Cup. This is the first time back. Obviously, Nashi alluded to it earlier, kind of the golden generation that took you to the uh, semis at the at the Euros a couple of years ago, um, and now kind of on their last legs, kind of trying to make one more big push. Break down this Wales team for me, Harry. How exciting are is this for you? Uh, and do you think they can get out of the group? Um, do I think they're going to get out of the group first? I think they've got a great chance. I mean, they they have to get a positive result. If not, they if not win against the US first game of the group stage like that. I think I think the whole group is is on that game. It's a pity that it comes first because I think that that whoever wins that game, I know they could obviously draw, but whoever sort of gets the better result out of the US and Wales basically goes through for me because you know we. I'm not saying Iran are the whipping boys, but on paper they are. 
they have some dangerous players, don't get me wrong, but I think for the most part, you'd all, we'd all, us three would like to think we're all going to get three points off them, hopefully. Um, so then it's just a case of basically who beats each other out of the US and, and Wales if that if we're saying that England sort of steams through, which you know, they they very well, very well could. Um, in terms of like our, our sort of squad and stuff, the one thing's like just to start on a bit of a negative. Right now, it just doesn't feel like many of our players are actually playing, which is weird. So like, I'm just going yeah. through some of the, the players now, right? Like, obviously, they've been playing, but just like over this last weekend, it's been really weird. Like, Joe Roden was on the bench for for Rennes in the French League. Nico Williams didn't play again, today against Arsenal. Um, to be fair, Harry Wilson's just come back from injury, started on the bench. Joe Allen's out injured. Ramsey, I'm not sure if Nice have played this this game week yet, but we'll just leave him out of it. Reese Norrington Davis, who's playing for Sheffield, he's done easy injured, so he's gone. Um, Brennan Johnson was on the bench for Forest today. Dan James on the bench for Fulham. Bale can't get a look in for LAFC. Um, Con- I think Tyler Roberts just got injured for QPR actually on Friday night. Mark Harris doesn't really, like he's in and out of the Cardiff team. And Ravi Matondo doesn't. I'm literally called out out of our, what's that? That's seven strikers. To be fair, Kiefer Moore scored two for Bournemouth on the weekend. So that's the only sort of shining light of our forwards. Um, but yeah, if you want, like if you pick an 11, like we do have a good 11. Do we have a good 18? No. But do could we throw out an 11 that's like, that can match the US 1 million percent? The only thing, the, the good thing I think that we have on the US um, that's going to be really apparent, I think in, in tournaments is our, our, our experience. Like I think this US team is probably four years away from like doing something really big. They've got some like potential world-class players like Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams. They're like really, really good. Like they don't, people only realize how good they are now because they're playing in a prem. They've been that good for the last couple of years. We all know that if we're playing so rare you know, in this fantasy space, you kind of just know that. I know it's hard to like conceptualize until they're playing in the prem because we just hold the prem to a certain standard. But regardless, they've got a lot of, util a uh, lot of youth in their team and i just think like athletically they they they're gonna have us personally i think the us is gonna um just be a lot more athletic than us um i don't know if they're gonna dominate possession but i do think they'll be like fitter and, and more hungry to a degree but i just think wales is um sort of yeah exp- like tournament experience is really gonna shine through like we've said there's some big players in our squad that i've not mentioned obviously you got well have mentioned ramsey bale um, it's basically the two standouts. Uh, you could throw Joe Allen in there if he can sort of get back fit because he hasn't been playing for Swansea. But we've got we've got big names who have done it on the world stage for club and country before. But it's just, can we get everyone fit? Um, and, and can we get everyone firing, ready for this tournament? That's in the winter. It's like at a weird time. Like I said, a lot of our boys aren't really playing week in, week out. I, that, that's one thing that's really worrying me right now. Like, yeah, there's some, there's some great boys out there. I think we could feel the nice eleven. But then it's like, but are those 11 really playing? Like, I'm looking at Ben Davis. Okay, he's in and out of the Tottenham team. Mepham's in and out of the Bournemouth team. Connor Roberts in and out of the Burnley team. Like, I'm just not like, wow, well, he's nailed. He's nailed. Like, that's the problem. Like, I, I can't look at any of our boys and just go, they're all playing for their team. And if you're not playing for your team, you're doing something wrong. Like, if we're being just brutally honest about it, week in, right. week out. I know rotation's right. a big thing right now. And, you know, it's, it's more of like a, I don't know, it's like a, a newer thing, I guess, in football. Everyone just loves rotating. But like, if you look at that, like if you look at the US team and if you look at the 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 England team, they're all basically playing week in, week out. You know, if we're looking at like an 11 of the US, they're all playing week in, week out for their sort of club team. So, you know, the, the freshness is what worries me. I think you, you guys are going to come in really fresh, you know, in terms of um, the English and 
and the American sort of contingencies. But I, ju- I just don't think you can write us off. I just think, you know, small country, but massive heart. And I just think 90 minutes of football, you just like tournament football so different. Like you just don't know yeah. how certain players are going to feel. Are they going to freeze on that massive stage? Like uh, Nashi was saying, like, you know, if you've never been there before, it's hard to know what it feels like and that's that's not i'm not saying that from a perspective of i know what it feels like but i can just imagine it's it's daunting you know um and i just think you know wales been to semi-final of the euros recently you know in the last couple of years most of those players are still sort of playing or at least the best players out of that contingency i just think i think you can't write us off are we favorites in that to get out of the group of course we're not but like i but, but i do think it all comes down to that first game against the u.s yeah yeah that first game is obviously massive 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 um and and kind of kind of talk to me a little bit about the tactics right for Wales obviously um a little bit of a smaller team they typically like sit back take up the pressure counterattack type of a team are they trying to dominate possession like what what's the identity of, of the Welsh team it's a good question because like I went to watch Wales's last game actually at, at the Cardiff City Stadium against Poland we lost 1-0 um in the Nations League and just looking at the formation here on SofaScore we played a 3-4-3 effectively but you know that's without that's without Joe Allen. That's without uh, an Aaron Ramsey. Like we haven't had a fully fit or even close to a fully fit 11. Um, so it's really hard to sort of say what we're going to go in with. I think we'll go with a back three of some sort because you want to utilize Nico Williams as a wing back, whether that's on the left or the right. Connor Roberts mainly, well, used to play wing back a lot uh, last season, not so much this season for companies. He prefers a back four, but I think our sort of wing backs or, or like our, our outside backs they're more suited to being further up the field nico is not as good as a defender as he is going forward meaning that we need three center backs basically and then yeah it basically just leaves two center mid spots if if ramsey's fit obviously ramsey takes up one of them who the other one is is it ethan ampadu is it joe allen like i said like we do have options it's just are they fit or not and then you've got the front three which is going to be a combination of bale brennan johnson dan james um could throw Kiefer Moore up there. Depends on. I just. I, I guess it depends on on what we're playing up against. You know, if if we need someone that's six foot six and and can try and hold the ball up first, then we'll go with Kiefer Moore. Do I think we're going to go with him? Like to start, probably not. He's probably an impact sub in that sense to to change things around. But I do think I do think we will try and get on the ball. I don't think we'll sort of shy away. Don't get me wrong. Against England, we're probably not going to see much of the ball. Against the US, I, I'd like to think it'd be a bit more of a 50-50 game in that sense, possession wise. So, um, yeah. I think we'll definitely go with three at the back and then utilize our, our sort of wing backs and just sort of try and get bail in, in shooting positions. Cause I watched him against uh, Poland lads. And I mean, there's a reason why he ain't playing for LAFC. Like the, the boy just, or the guy just ain't doing much at all. Like he's just not being effective in, in any way, shape or form. Like he cannot do what he used to do on the ball. He cannot pick the ball up from 40 yards out, sprint past two and zip one in the top corner. He actually can't do that anymore. And that's fine. We just have to play to his strength, which is now obviously in and around the box, set pieces in and around the box. He's still good in the air. Don't get wrong. He's still, he's still good for, for a sort of headed goal. But I just don't think he can. We used to be a bit of a one man team, even though we had the likes of Ramsey and, and other good players, or, or world class players in their time, I guess, around Bale. Now Bale's not Bale of, of old. So we have to adapt. And we've got legs around him. Like I said, Dan James, Brennan Johnson, they're playing the Premier League, albeit, you know, not week in, week out but they're very good young players and they've got legs. We need legs around our players because Ramsey's losing his and Bale's lost his. So 
I don't think they've lost their quality, but they've definitely lost their legs. So we, you know, our younger lads really need to do the extra running for them and just get them into good positions. We need Dan James to be just, just sort of chipping. But if, if Kiefer's on the pitch, because they sort of link up really well, Dan James is obviously electric and probably the fastest player in the Premier League, to be fair. But just his end product is what's missing for the, for the most part. But if you can get that right on, on certain stages in those matches, Kiefer Moore, 6'6". Six, six. There's not many defenders at all. And, and Kiefer can get up. He just scored two in the in Premier League on this weekend for Bournemouth. So I, we have things to do. I think we have certain tactics to deploy. Um, is it going to be enough to, to beat England? I don't know. Is it going to be enough to beat the US? Who knows? And, and are we going to adapt accordingly to who we're playing, obviously, because England's a different um, a different ball game to the US. And I know I'm, I'm not writing off Iran in that sense. It's just because we're speaking together. And obviously, you know, wanna, you know you, Chris is from the US and, and Nash is from England. So, yeah, I don't know. I think we got a good chance. I don't love the fact that we're not all sort of playing as an 11 right now or as a 15 in terms of like our core group. Um, and it just worries me about the bail situation. I don't know if you want to give me a bit more of an insight on that, Chris. And, and Nashi, do you, what, what, what are you reading into that situation? I think with Bale, he's, he looks like he's kind of waiting. In, in his situation in the MLS, he's come here for basically a glorified training to make sure he's not going to get injured. He's going to be able to still kick the ball and run around a bit and be ready for the World Cup. I think it's massive for him. He's a player that hasn't shown a ton of emotion outside of his sort of and passion for football outside of Wales. But you can see when he plays Wales, I'm a different human being. He, he really does care. Yeah, and yeah. so I'm not going to write Gareth Bale off. And I think that, yeah, he can't do on the pitch technically what he used to be able to do. But when I'm looking at it as a neutral between, say, the US and Wales, I think that, yeah, like we've played football and, you know, the, you know, the pressure of certain games versus others in these in these one-off moments, these cup games, you see it, people freeze and people choke. And um, I think that when I'm looking at, when I look at Gareth Bale's impact on that Welsh team, it's not necessarily what he's going to do for himself. But I think walking out that first game, every other player almost is going to be settled by just watching Gareth Bale walk out in front of him. He's been there. He's done that. It's going to settle the group down. And you almost, you know, like... You used to talk, um, I think I heard Frank Lampard say that you get nervous before games, but the only time, uh, what, what used to happen in these big Champions League games when asked when they would be kind of the underdogs under Mourinho and get these one nils, and like why he rated like specifically Didier Drogba so much. And he said before these massive Champions League games, like everyone would be sitting there, be a bit nervous, tense. And he said Drogba every time would just take his shirt off walk out in front of the other team as they're lying out with his shirt off, you know, he's on absolute unit and just walk out. And he said, he never looked nervous. He never looked, and he'd do it in the big games. And he said like the impact of him, obviously is a big impact player in these big games, but it was behind the scenes where like Frank Lampard saying this was massive because they'd just look at him and say, wow, he's, he's on my team. Like, <laughs> are we going to be all right today? Whereas, you know what I mean? And that's kind of the impact that I think Bale can still have that's going to be the most impactful. Whereas the US, they have the talent players of the talent still now of Bale, like Pulisic's probably a better player right now at this stage of their career. But mm. he doesn't have that kind of ethereal respect yet. I don't think amongst the group, and I'm looking at the US squad, and they've got a lot of young talent. But if you're lining up and you're looking, if you're going to be walking out in a big moment of your career behind a 
Didier Drogba of Gareth Bale. I don't think Pulisic quite in his career at this point got to that point, not as a player, but as a leader. I'm looking at the US. Do they have that kind of guy in their team? Chris is pulling some faces in his soppy wig there, so maybe he's got something to counter that. I'm not criticising Pulisic as talent, but I'm talking about leadership quality. Gareth Bale, that's what he can bring to them. Chris, you burst in to say something. What do you, what's, your, uh, what's your counter to that? So I 100% agree. The US doesn't have anyone to Gareth Bale's leadership ability, but I will say uh, the boys all look up to Christian because he was the first one through like the, the world-class barrier almost for the US. Like the US has never had a player that, that played in like a Champions League final before. Right. Like they've had a couple of guys that were just like role players on like decent teams that made to like the knockouts, but they've never had anyone that's been like truly world class, like starting on a team that goes to the Champions League. Um, and Christian was the first one at Dortmund to get deep into the into the Champions League. And then, you know, obviously going to Chelsea and he wasn't a starter on that team, but they did win uh, the Champions League. And I believe he had the assist or something and maybe the final or the semifinal. Um, so I will say that. Yes, Gareth Bale is on a whole different level as far as leadership goes to Pulisic. Um, But the guys are almost so young that they don't really like they've never seen anybody else who's a bigger, better leader than Pulisic almost. You know what I mean? Like they have they're so young that like they all looked up to Christian, like literally growing up, like they were like 15, 16 U and he was. 18 at Dortmund playing in the champions league. And like that, that was like their idol almost. And yeah, Christian's only like 24, but he's kind of been through, you know, he went through the last world cup cycle. He's the only one that went through the last world cup cycle um, of the young guys. Um, So, yeah, I think they, I think there is sort of that mystique around Christian, at least in the minds of their, of of his teammates and rightly or wrongly, you know, Um, maybe he hasn't earned that yet, but I think there is that mystique. And then guy like Tyler Adams as well has been touted as like one of the best leaders in, in the champions league um, for, for Leipzig and now going over to Leeds. Um, and he, Christian's not the captain. Typically Tyler Adams is the captain. Um, so I think leadership wise, I think we'll be okay. Um, belief wise, I think we'll be okay. I think they're too young and stupid to know that they really should they really should be four years away. Like to Harry's point, talent wise, they hundred percent are four years away. Um, but I think they're a little too naive to realize that yet. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes that works to your benefit, um, but there are definitely some, some definite concerns, uh, for the, for the U S team, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I think, I think going back to, to kind of Wales and, and, uh, and Gareth Bale, having him on the pitch, even if he's not the Gareth Bale that he used to be, um, I think it's it's a totally different thing him playing at LAFC or Real Madrid as opposed to him putting on the whale shirt. Like you you kind of alluded to it, Nashi. Like he's just a totally different human being, and he's he's a totally different football player when he steps on the pitch for Wales. So yeah, I think it'll be very interesting to see there. Um, I think yeah, with, well, with the US coming up against them, it's a massive game. Like Harry said, that's that is a if all things kind of go as yeah. As even that's that's the game that's going to define the tournament for both teams. How do you see it going in the best case scenario for the US? Like, what sort of lineup you think they're going to put out? What sort of strategy they're going to adopt? And what do you, as a fan, want to see from them going into that first game? You know, to give you to give you the best chance of making out this group. 
I mean, what do I want to see in the first game is three points, obviously. Like whoever wins to Harry's point has a massive advantage of getting through. It's almost to the point where if you win that first game, you're almost through already. Like all, all you'd really have to do is beat Iran and you'd be in in really good spot with six points. Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously you want to see the three points coming out like pregame. I mean, there's not a lot that I think we need to see. I mean, I think we kind of know what we're who we're going to get for the U.S. team for the most part. Um, I think we're going to get Matt Turner in goal, although Stefan is another possibility. Um, but every time Matt Turner plays for the U.S., he's been phenomenal. The questions are really at center back, right? Walker Zimmerman is is great, but I think the other center back is a big issue. And if it does end up being Aaron Long, as much as I love him, that's an obvious weakness for people to to kind of target. Um and then, you know, the fullbacks are, are kind of more set with being Dest and Anthony Robinson. And then the midfield trio is going to be Adams, McKenney, and um, and Eunice Musa. And then the front three is going to be really tough. Like, you got Christian, you've got Gio, and you've got maybe Weya up top. Or do you want to go with an actual number nine up top? I think the front three is where you really have the issues. Because, like, you know, you've got Christian, Gio, and... Um, and uh, Brendan Aronson, right? It's like, you can't really play all three of those guys. Like one of those guys have to come off the bench and which one do you want to leave off? Um, so I think re- regardless, you can't really make a wrong choice there because all three are just world-class players, but one of them is not going to be playing probably. And then who's your number nine? So like the big the big question marks with this team, do they have enough pace in the back line to keep up with teams counterattacking them? And do they have a number nine that can put the ball in the back of the net? If if the wingers are getting shut down and Christian can't cut in and get shots away, do they have a number nine that can put the ball in the back of the net when they need it? I think those are the two big questions. I don't think we really have any questions about the midfield or the wingers or even the fullbacks. I think we're pretty solid most of those spots. Um, those are the two questions. And obviously, you know, those are the two questions where you're giving up goals if you're wrong, right? If you're If you don't have pace, that's a goal in the back. If you can't score, that's a problem. So I think fundamentally we should probably have more possession than Wales, I would think. Um, but I mean, it's, it's a game. You got to score more than the other team. And if those are your, where your weaknesses are, you can't score, you can't defend, you're going to have issues. So um, yeah, I think the biggest issues are, are definitely going to come with the lack of experience. And I mean, they've, they've won big games though. Like they've played Mexico in nation's league finals like we beat Mexico three times in a year, all in competitive games. Like it's Mexico is not an easy team to beat either. I mean, they're, they're not as good as maybe they have been in the past. Um, but yeah, they, they've basically proven that they're better than Mexico. Um, so, I mean, we'll see, we'll see how, how things kind of play out. Uh, it'll be very, very, very interesting though, that Vev, to Harry's point, that first game makes or breaks the whole thing. If you lose the first game, you're, you're pretty much out, right? You have to beat England. That's that's pretty the pretty much the only way to get back into it. We've got to see a big performance, I think, from the US in this tournament, just for like the long the long term of the fandom. You know, the next tournament, next one's coming here, and yeah. if they put in a good show here, it could almost be exponentially excitement. The you know, whereas if they come and just have a complete dud, get pumped two 0 by Wales and get a draw <laughs> against the round, it'll, it'll change the whole context going around the next four or five years of the whole sport sure. potentially in the yeah. state in exciting time. So I think is I think there is a lot of kind of moving parts here. I think it's a really interesting 
dynamic, you know, like I don't think many people going into the US and oh, it's a massive tournament, we've got a chance to win this, but it is actually a massive, massive tournament, I think, for the sport, for the country, if you take in the next five, 10 years as a scope, because even if they don't make it through, even if they, you know, don't quite get there, if they go in and put some big performances in, score some goals, get exciting, get people behind them, like you said, it's got a big, big momentum. If they just completely flop and dud it, I think it could have a big sort of psychological impact on the on the country going into the next one, which will be which will be massive. Should we should we touch on a few? Is there any teams, Harry, that you think are like from a SoRes perspective or from a real life perspective that you're kind of keeping your eye on outside of Wales that you're excited to either watch some narratives to develop or um, yeah, just to try and win some rewards. Yeah, I mean, from sort of like a, just like I've just got the groups in, in front of me now, I think, I don't think many people are, or maybe not enough people are sort of talking about Portugal as a team. Like, yeah, everything's about, yeah, Brazil, Argentina with Messi. But like Portugal is like a, as like a, a squad, a like exceptional. I probably don't need to go into all their players, but we know, we know how good their sort of firepower is. And then you're looking at players like Ruben Diaz at the back, Costa as a goalkeeper, possibly who's been exceptional recently for Porto. Cancelo, like they've got like like stupidly good players, and I just think like there's probably too much talk from Arge- from an Argentina perspective because like because they have Messi type of thing, and I think as a squad, Argentina's team or, or squad or whatever isn't that good, like mm. at all. Like if if you look at this quality, like midfielders like Paredes, De Paul, like they're good. Obviously, they're they're good players, or, or you could argue world class on on their days, or maybe have been. But like, I think Portugal going into the tournament have got like a frightening, frighteningly good team. Um, same you could say for for Brazil as well. I think Brazil's team right now is is looking ridiculous. Neymar's on fire right now. Vinny Junior's on fire. Rodrigo, Rafinha, the list goes on. Paqueta, West Ham's been okay, I guess, but Bruno Guimarães for for uh, Newcastle has been unbelievable, touted as like the next best sort of midfielder there's, there's going to be in, in the world. And he could get like a stupidly big move after this tournament. And obviously these are all the names that, you know, we would normally kind of speak about, but teams like Denmark beat France in the Nations League last game. I know France didn't have a fully fit team. Like I'm not comparing them to like a, a fully fit France, but Teams like that, and especially from a Soria perspective, they got some they got some naughty players. Skov Olsen playing for Club Bruges. Like there's some there's some really good boys in that Denmark team. Um, I know they're in the group with France, which don't help, but sorry, Nashu. No, I was saying, I think, yeah, like you mentioned Skov Olsen there. And I think like it's kind of weird because like they with Soria, we've kind of been a bit worried about coverage. They've had this drama with the Costa and the the keeper. I know that's not good for you, but there should be some play, and I think there should be some real competitive under 23 play. If we go back to Portugal there, you mentioned Costa, but they have some, they have a lot of young talent coming through. Rafa Leal's had a brilliant season, you know, like, João Felix not quite getting in there. What are the, you know, is there any other young players you're talking about Brazil, obviously with Vinicius Junior. Is there, what are young players you're looking for to come out, like to make a breakout? Like, it jogged my mind because I'm thinking of Bellingham I'm thinking like a Rafael has had a brilliant season. He's got a bit of hype around him. If he goes and makes a real impact in this tournament, that could take him to that next level. I think there's a lot of young players. Obviously, you're an under-23 specialist, so you'll know better than me. But there's a lot of young players in that bracket, I think, in a minute in world football, where there's hype around and people know about them. They're, they're delivering young at top levels. But this is like the stage where you're like, if they go ahead and do it here, 
now they're they're there. You know, is what kind of players spring to your mind uh, when we, when we, when I say that? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I'm just looking at Group F now and, and Canada and, and mainly Jonathan David, really, because obviously we saw last season, he was ridiculous. Like his goal scoring record was a joke. And then he sort of tailed up, well, maybe the start of last season. And, and then towards the end of it, he went a bit cold um, and he sort of picked back up again at a, at a nice time in terms of now. And I think if he could get like, because I think he was a bit annoyed when he didn't get his move, like when he really kicked on about a year and a half ago. Um, and obviously whatever happened with Leo fell through and, and, and stuff. So I think if he could really kick on this tournament and show how good of a player he can be and score some goals, we've seen it with like James Rodriguez years ago in the world cup. Like if you just do one or two crazy things at the world cup, it just gives you like, it just adds 20 million pounds onto your price tag instantly. Like in 90 minutes of football, in one moment of that game, you can change your sort of trajectory in that sense. And I'm not saying that without I'm not saying that if he doesn't have a good World Cup, it doesn't mean he's ever going to sort of kick on. But I think Jonathan David for, for Canada could be a big one. Looking at like Germany, I think we'd love to see Musiala. I know you're a big fan, Nashi. I know what he's doing it for for uh, for Bayern Munich now, but and and he's sort of started for Germany and, and what have you. But this is like his first big tournament. How good would it be to see him just absolutely just tear up that? Um, that tournament and obviously his, his good friend Jude Bellingham was hopefully going to be doing the same for, for England similar in the same group to Germany you've got the, Sp- the Spanish boys your Pedris and Gavis I know Gavis just won the, the Golden Boy Award and controversially people don't think to see well don't seem to think that you probably deserve that ahead of your, your Bellinghams and Musialas which I probably tend to agree with um, don't get me wrong Gavis an exceptional talent but I think you know we're talking about Bellingham and Musiala here probably the best two sort of midfielders I know Musiala plays a bit more forward but like generationally could be like out of this world and then I'm not saying Gavi's not but I just think they have they I think they could just kick on that tiny bit more that sort of just like different just a different level on their day um but yeah Gavi I'd, I'd love to see how like let's come on and I know he's still young but come on how good are you like this is your this is a world cup for you you're in a group of Germany against the big boys, Japan and Costa Rica. We should walk all over them. But, you know, how good are you? I know you've got your mate Pedri next to you. I know there's a few other youngsters around that team. Um, but I'd love to see these sort of, like, see these boys really shine. And I know it's like asking a lot from them in a, in a weird way because they're, they're so young. It's hard to, like, it's really hard to, like, wrap your head around how good these boys are. Like, it's frightening. And like you said, obviously, I've got a massive keen interest in in under 23, specifically on Sora. And it's just like frightening to see how good the talent is right now and how good they are at such a young age. Like it, it does really blow my mind. But even from a US perspective, you guys got a crazy amount of under 23s. Tyler Adams, the whole team, Aronson, <laughs> Musa, the whole, the whole midfield, the, the whole, whole team basically could be under 23. Obviously you go Dest and I don't know how Antoine Robinson is right now, but I know he's, he's very good. That. Yeah, he's yeah. like 23, 24. He's not old at all. No, he's like 20. Uh, 21, Carter Vickers, 22. 24, I think he is now, maybe 25. Like, you got a really young team. Um, we have the youngest yeah, team like, in the world by far. Like, by a lot. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. By, we have, like, 11, one or two guys from the last World Cup cycle that are even still in the team. Like, uh, we've completely changed over the entire team, and it's a bunch of, like, 18, 19, 20-year-olds that all look up to, like, Christian Pulisic's the old man. He's 24. Like, it's <laughs> it's absurd how young we are, really. Um, it is. Yeah, so I mean, but there's. I'm a little a bit disappointed in like, you know, there is. Sorry to 
to um interrupt you, but like I'm looking at like Argentina and Belgium, and like there's not that many like young players. Like we we've known Belgium, and they're quite known for being a bit of an Asian team as well. All their sort of better players, you the Bruyne, Axel Witzels, Hazard. I know he's hot and cold now, but Lukaku, they're not young players. You know, they don't. Re- I know, like you could say Charles de Ketelaar maybe will, will have a sniff. Silo Mikers might be in and around the squad for Milan, but there's nobody in that Belgium team that I can think of. I'm like, oh, wow, this kid's going to do it at the World Cup. Amadou Nana, Everton's looked really good, but is he going to really start for Belgium? Probably not right now. He will do in the future. He looks exceptional. But same for Argentina. Like, there's no one that I'm like, wow. You can say Julian Alvarez. Fair enough. He's probably the anomaly out of that. Will he start for Argentina? Maybe. Like, I don't think he's a shoe-in. You got Thiago Almeida on that team too. I don't think he'll play, but he'll be on that well, team. Well, yeah, he, I mean, it's out of, I mean, will he even go is a question. Like, there's no guarantee he goes. Him, same for Enzo Fernandez, who I, I'm a massive fan of. He might not even go. I think he should with how sort of, um, or what they lack in midfield. Because right now, I think the Argentinian midfield is really poor. Um, but yeah, I just don't know. There's, there's a lot of talent out there, but in like the bigger teams, like, well, your Belgians, your Argentinas, the... There's not that many Netherlands. Like, yeah, you got your Timbers, but there's no one that I'm like, oh, wow, I can't wait to see this play, uh, this boy play. The only ones I feel like that is, is Bellingham, Musiala, Pedri, Gavi, Vinny Jr. There's probably 10 players max that I'm like, wow, Brendan Aronson. Like, there's a few that I'm really excited about. By this, it's, I mean, you're not going to be at the World Cup if you're, a, if you're a fringe 23 player anyway. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you ain't going to be that guy. You're going to have to be performing week in, week out to get into your national team's full team, do you know what I'm saying, at these ages. Are we going to see, one we've missed there is France and you've got Tremeni and Kamavinga in there. Are we going to see that next generation, like if France go on and win this World Cup, how scary is that for the rest of the world for the next, you know, you've got Kylian Mbappe. If you've got Tremeni, Kamavinga, like the only thing you can knock them on is the kind of experience because they're playing at top level, they're 100 million pound players and you just look at the abundance of talent. Like I, I could, we'd be here all day if I spoke about talented French defenders in every, you know what I mean? So we, <laughs> tell me about it. if they go on and have a big tournament here and some of these players kick on, we, we've barely mentioned them, but they're just the, the, the talent that that country is producing. You have to tip your hat to them. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And like, if they go on and do a run this tournament, they're just going to be scary for the next forever. Cause these players aren't going anywhere. They're already at the top of the game. They're not going to drop off and like, France is one where I think that as an England fan, we have, there's like that part of me where I think we can win this. You know, we've got, we got a lot of good young players you know, around that team as well. But when I look at oh, England, are we going to see them lift the World Cup or a trophy in our lifetime? It always, for me, comes back to looking at that French team and that, the talent they've got and just think, Jesus Christ, that's going to be a tough, you know what I mean? That's going to and, be. And the worst part for England, assuming England finishes first and France finishes first, that'd be a quarterfinal between those two teams. So yeah, that, that would maybe, maybe it serves you better almost to finish second in group B because then you're, you're facing probably Holland from group A in the first round, but then you you're facing probably Argentina in that second round. I mean, it's, I think that's a little easier than, than France, but I mean, that's, I mean, they're all great teams, right? I'm not saying any, any teams are terrible, but just looking at the draw, like, Man, finishing first in in Group B, setting you up for a date with France in the second round, like that doesn't seem like fun to me. All the best. Before we wrap up, should we? Who is there? Any dark horse teams you're looking at that you'll be rooting for? Do you think can make a run? Maybe get to the quarters, the semis. You know, we talk about Wales in the 
in the last uh, in the, that Euro run they went on. Is there teams where you think you're looking at you have a light your heart or your head saying I think they can actually actually get out of that group sort of against the odds and do have a little run then? I think like, looking at Group G, it's not an easy group on paper. You got Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon, but I think if you look at Serbia's team, it's actually like exceptionally good and it's and it's full of like um not only talent but it's got like a lot of experience like Vlahovic, Mitrovic, Tadic, Kostic, Milinkovic Savic. They've got like a sort of core front six that's like could do anything on their day. Don't get me wrong, Brazil obviously favorites for that group, but to just get out and maybe sneak something don't like we know what Switzerland are like in Switzerland sorry are like in in tournaments we've seen them beat what was it Spain when was that? Do you remember when Switzerland beat Spain in the group stages 1-0? Mm-hmm. They were didn't sort they of... Beat, they, didn't they beat Spain in the Euro knockouts? Or was it France? Mu- or, I think it was They France, beat somebody big in a yeah, knockout yeah. in penalties. Yeah, they, they always seem to... They it was France. To sort of, yeah, they, I think you're right there. They definitely they beat Spain in like a World Cup group stage a couple like however many World Cups ago. And yeah, that won't be easy. But I do I do fancy Serbia to to do something there. Not so much beat Brazil in that, in that group. I think they'll qualify. And then maybe Croatia. Like I know we they've done things on the world stage before, obviously losing to France and stuff, but uh, tough group again, Canada, Belgium, Morocco. The yeah. problem is all these like teams that I fancy, they're in like tough, tough groups. Um, Denmark, like I mentioned earlier on, I think they could make a run, especially in that group. If they finish second to France, Tunisia and Australia shouldn't be too much of a, um, a problem. Other than that, I don't, nothing jumps out at me. What about you guys? I mean, I, I thought I was going to have a little, um, I mean, it's a credit to your football knowledge there, or like at least we're on the same page. I thought I was going to be able to come out with a Serbia shout and be like, they look really good. Because what I, you didn't even mention, like Milenkovic Savic has had a brilliant season in there. Mitrovic is flying. They got the experience with the Tadic and some of them players, but they've also got like these young players that I think can really like bring life in moments, you know, Ilic, Vlahovic yeah. in, the, in the mix too. And they're all, no one's talking about Serbia. No one, knows them but when you yeah when you look I think from so rare too we know some of these players more but like you look at them on paper and I think yeah it's a tough group but Cameroon you know Mm. I'd fancy him to get out of group and at that stage when you yeah the players you mentioned there I I really just want to echo what you here's here's the problem for me with Serbia if they get out of the group say say they're second in their group their next game presumably would be against Portugal in, in the first knockout round and then if you win that, you're playing the winner of um, you're playing whoever finished second between Spain and Germany and Belgium. So there's no easy teams like the, the loser of Spain, Germany is still going to be really good. They'll, they'll play Belgium in the first round, assuming they finish first. Um, so you're playing Portugal and then either Belgium, Spain or Germany in the second yeah, round. Mate, it's, it's the World Cup. Dude. You ain't you ain't going to get an easy game once you get out of that group. No. Like it doesn't I matter. I don't know. Croatia got Russia a couple of years ago. <laughs> like, yeah. that, like that's kind of how these teams make runs. And I think that's what sets Denmark apart, right? Like if assuming Denmark finishes second in group D, then they got to get through Argentina, assuming they finish first. That's a tough game. All right. But if they can get through that, they play second place in group B or first place in group A. So you're talking about maybe Holland or the U S or Wales. Like that's not really a great world cup quarterfinal team. So like if Denmark or if Argentina somehow finished second in group C, that whole bracket could be wide open for Denmark to just make a nice straight run um, all the way to the semifinal. And I think that's the kind of thing where 
you know, you get a team that's got talent, that's got youngsters, that's got experience, um, that has made runs before, and they get an easy bracket. I think that's where you start to get into, you know, decent teams that can make runs. I got a team that I'll be rooting for for an upset, but I I think it's a bit so rare based. It's a bit, I think the so rare community will, and they're in a terrible group. But Japan is a team I really want to watch because a lot of the guys on their team actually, you know, we know them from so rare. A couple of these sort of fringe guys and. I don't get up and watch these games. So like, it's, it's exciting to me to actually put eyes on some of these, some of these Japanese players in a, in a big stage against the best competition. Obviously they're completely up against it with Spain and Germany in their group. But that being said, I, yeah, I mean, I, I can see, I, you never know. It's the world cup. There's, never know. there's talent yeah. is one-off games and like, they're the kind of things that I'm looking for. Obviously as an England fan, you want to see Germany or Spain, get knocked out too so that's a team where <laughs> i'm really not necessarily with my head but with my heart i'm really gonna be rooting for japan to, to put some performances on i think that's a that's a big question who's the big team that doesn't make it out of the group stage that's a tough one because uh, like the groups are all fairly balanced like there's no real big group of death uh, maybe group f but you wouldn't say that like croatia morocco or canada or giant it's like who's giant, that big team no. who doesn't get there because there's always at least uh, one or two there I'm, is I'm going to say Belgium. Belgium. It's interesting. Yeah. That's a I, tough I can, group, I man. Get behind that. That's yeah. a really Belgium, tough group. I think, I think Belgium are underrated. And I think every team in that group is more competitive than they kind of look on paper uh, to yeah. some degree. Like Morocco, actually, they have a, they, you know, again, they're underdogs, obviously, but they have some quality players in there. Mm-hmm. Croatia, same, same idea, not quite what they once were, but they're still a, sort of veteran team in these competitions and Canada's kind of got that, that X factor that, you know, that momentum, it's a one-off, like everyone's going to be rooting for them. They're going to be the neutrals favorite. So yeah, it's, it's up against it, but I think they're like, you would look on paper and say there's zero chance Belgium ain't getting out of that group. But I think that I could see an upset there. I could see at least a game or two where, where they can be got at because like, like Harry said earlier, they're not the Belgium of old. Some of their star players aren't, doing it anymore. you got Lukaku's out of sorts, Hazard's out of sorts, and maybe they step it up. Obviously, Kevin De Bruyne is an X-factor. They've got a lot of other talent there, but I think, I think yeah, some of that key back line that they they had, they're talking about playing Jason Denea in that team, and he hasn't played football in a year, and he's moved to Saudi Arabia. And I've got his super rare, so that's why you can hear the, uh, <laughs> the anger in my voice. But yeah, yeah, Jason Denea, most hated footballer on so rare, but yeah, he's uh he's he's having a look at the lineup. So I mean, at, at that point, you know, it's it's fair game. You got Jonathan David and Fonzo Davis running at him. Maybe they can do something. Yeah. So here here's my answer to this question, right? I think um, I think this is kind of a World Cup where you know you're getting a, a bit of a changing of the guard, right? You have your old aging superstars, your Messi, Ronaldo's, your Gareth Bale's. Um, like you've got these guys that have been in multiple World Cups. But then you've also got your Bellinghams, your Gavies, all the all the young guys that we talked about. And it just seems like there's no real middle, you know, there's no real guys in their prime right now. It seems like kind of a changing over from one golden generation to another. Um, so, yeah, I, I well, that had nothing to do with my point. I don't know why I brought that up. But so my <laughs> answer, my answer to this question, um, as much as Nashi's going to hate me here, I'm going to say England because I think. Wow. International. All right. So here, here's my reasoning. International football you have a ton of star power. Every team has a ton of star power, right? I think the teams that do the best are the ones that are the most cohesive together. 
And I see that in both Wales and the United States as being very good units. Like they just like each other a lot. They've played with each other a lot. Um, and I, I could see England, I could see England having the best paper, the best team on paper by far in group B and dropping points to both the U S and Wales and the U S and Wales, both getting out of the group. What do you think, Nashi? I, I, I don't, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't completely disagree with you. I just think if you compare England again on paper to Belgium, say, I I think, you know, the, the talent we've got, it's actually kind of criminal that we're not more confident. That kind of says everything you need to know. That probably, right. And I think there's a reason why you're not more confident. Because you know that, in the back of your mind, like, this is a lot of talent, but can they play together as one team? Well, I think that's built into the expectations with England already, if that makes sense. Like, like if you was looking at this as a neutral, you know what I mean? Like, it, I, I can't see a world where, like, like it will be an absolute travesty, honestly, if we don't win every game in the group. If you look at the talent, we we got probably the best, one of the best centre forwards in the world. We got the play, two of the best holding mids, young players. And the thing I love about Declan Rice is also that I like the seems that Bellingham have is that they're young players, Phil Foden too. Like they're not, they haven't got the English mentality that we used to have. That everyone sort of paints us with that brush. These are guys that like go out and play. You know, they go out and play, and they. Their leaders, they're, they're confident in themselves as young kids. Like Harry said, it's, it's absurd to me. You know what I mean? But they go out and play. They, they, I don't think they're going to get phased by the moment like they have in the past, you know, and like or some England teams had with potentially as much talent. I do think it's there's a bit of different in. And I think these are guys that don't, like we got lucky that these aren't guys that play for themselves, you know? You can tell Jude Bellingham is a team player. Declan Rice will run all day for players like Mark Noble, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, he's, he, he's, he's a team player. Phil Foden rotates for Man City, he never complains. He's brilliant talent. He's bided his time. And he, I think like Mason Mount the same. He puts a shift in every week. I do think it's different to what it used to be. I think our talent alone will get us over the line out of that group. Um, and it'll be, honestly, it'll be one of the biggest upsets ever if we don't. So it's exciting to see if, <laughs> if there's at least a chance, I think. And and I'm not, I'm not even, that's not like a banter thing where I'm trying to give you a stick. I just genuinely think if, if, if either of your, if Wales or US get points off England, that's absolutely monumental and like fair play, absolute credit to either one because they have absolutely no right when you look at player for player, you know? So no, yeah. it's all there. It's all there. There's glory there for the taking for you boys. 100%. One thing I will add, though, in terms of that group, I know we, we touched upon the whole group earlier on in the episode, but none of us are going into this group in form. Like England have been, England have won a game in six, can I add. Wales have been, I don't think we've won a game in five. I'm checking now. Yeah, we've lost our last five. We beat Ukraine before that to qualify. And the US lost, well, haven't won in three, beat Granada 5-0 in the fourth game drew with Uruguay just before that beat Morocco. So they've had a few friendly wins, I guess, but you know what I'm saying? None we haven't of us played really... a competitive game. And like, no, you haven't played a competitive game at all. And the last year. game you played is a nil nil against Saudi Arabia. March. So yeah. yeah. So like, I don't know. I just think it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. Tournament football is a winter world cup. I just don't think you can, I know like we can say talent this and on paper that, but, Football's played on grass at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and if you don't turn up in that 90 minutes, it don't matter who you are. It don't matter who you've played for. It don't matter if you're worth 90 mil on or, or what. If there's someone ahead of you, if someone against you that's willing to put in the mileage and they want it a bit more than you because they love their country, maybe that 2% more, 
who knows what's going to happen, man? That that's the way that's the way it's going to actually plan out. I think. And I think kind of going along with that too, like the one team that is in form is Iran. Like Iran is, I mean, they've gotten results against nobodies, but like they've won like 12 of their last 14 or some crazy number. Like they are the team that realistically plays like really, really well together as a team. So to just sit here and say like, oh, well, these are the three teams that have a chance. I mean, Iran has a great chance of at least getting points off of somebody. I don't, I don't think they're going home with zero. Um, so, I mean, I could see a draw against, you know, against any of the three teams, right? Like it's, it's kind of a little bit more wide open, right? You can't just completely write them off. And I know we've kind of been focusing on our three teams, but, um, I think Iran can definitely throw a monkey wrench into things and and take some points off somebody that maybe you're, you're hoping to get or expecting to get. So, yeah, I think this will be a really fun group. I, I think honestly, group B is group B and group F, I think are the two most fun groups. So we'll see. In terms, like I was speaking to my mates yesterday, actually, I think our group, Group B, has like the lowest coefficients in terms of like where we are in the world. As in, like, I think if Iran are above Wales, yeah, no, as in, like, it's the hardest. As in, like, everyone's oh, in the hardest. Everyone's in the top twenty, if that makes sense. Gotcha, gotcha. Where like yeah, yeah. all the other groups have like a Morocco or a South Korea or a Tunisia. Do you know what I'm saying? Or Saudi Arabia, where they're like miles down, if that makes sense. I think Group B has the hardest in terms of like, yeah, I think everyone's in the top twenty-ish. I'm pretty sure. I think Group F, Morocco is actually high. It's Canada that's not high, and that's only ah, because okay, yeah, yeah. they've started like really in the last like year blowing people away, and they haven't had yeah, time yeah. to rise up the rankings. But Canada's like the most dangerous pot four team of all time because they could a hundred percent get out of that group. And I mean, Definitely. Morocco's like a solid team. Croatia's good. Belgium's good. I, I think those are two really good top to bottom groups from B and No, F. they are yeah. definitely hundred percent. I think it'll be fun. Last last question here as we kind of wrap up. We'll just go quick fire. Who wins over who and what's the score? We'll start with you. So Nishin. go on then. Well, in the in our group specifically. In the final. No, no, in the final. Oh, in the, the final? whole thing. The whole thing. I don't even know. To be honest, I don't even know the um the pot draws beyond like the quarter semi. So I don't even know if I if I could give two teams that are favorites right now, I'd say France and Brazil. Who wins and by how much? And I'd say France win 2-0. France 2-0 over Brazil. Okay. Harry? That might even be possible. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm just checking. I've got the bracket up to be fair. So, like, if if Brazil want to get out of their group, they're going to have to play basically Germany or Spain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I think I'd still go with – I fancy Brazil to get to the final, and I think Portugal as well. I fancy getting there. Um, and then I'm going to go Brazil 1-0. Interesting. Vinny, Brazil Vinny 1-0 over, over Portugal. Yeah. And he's calling who's going to score the goal. I love that. And I'll call it in the 68th minute. Mate, you, got, you, wow. got put, you got to put a couple if, quid on that. Otherwise, if, if this happens, <laughs> you just jump. You know what I mean? I'll be kicking myself on it. Yeah. Oh, man. Let's see. I'm going to go. I'm going to take Germany to win it over. Okay. Okay. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to take Germany over Spain. I think they'll go on opposite sides because one has to finish first, the other second. So they'll go on opposite sides and they'll both win all the way to the final. I'm going to take Germany over Spain 2-1 in wow. the final. Okay. That'd be a crazy, like a rematch of a group stage game in the final. That'd be fun. Yeah, be that here would for be. that. 
I just think Spain, their firepower, just like, just I don't back Alvaro Morata. I'm so, I don't know. Just like, just, <laughs> if Alvaro Morata's these things are these things are crazy. Up. You never know how these things go. Yeah. No, I mean, no, I mean, he's yeah, he's. I mean, Spain at one point were just unstoppable. They've got the pedigree. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, realistically, you could pick like any of the top ten teams and have. I'm never picking. Shallow, I'm never you know? picking Germany. There's no way I'm picking Germany. <laughs> you don't Just, like your boy Musiala, huh? Uh, pride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Have you got a um? Have you got a lineup for the for the World Cup, Harry? Like under 23s? You got like. Yeah, I can. I can kind of figure something out now, especially with like what we we sort of touched on the whole like they've shafted the goalkeeper situation, but I think. I mean, they're still playable, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's not ideal that, you know, I have a Costa and people that don't have Costas can play under 23s now. Um, mm-hmm. But for like a, you know, that's just a very um, sort of, what's the word? Selfish kind of reason, I guess. Like I, I'd prefer there be more people involved in that sense, like I would. And and I think the way that they've done it sort of allows for that. So that's great. Yeah, if I had, if I could get like a four man out, I think I could go with something like, it's still probably contain Costa. Um, it'd probably be... Costa, Nico Williams, super rare. Um, just trying to get this out now. Midfielder, it would have to be Pedri. And then as my extra player or slash forward, I could I could risk I could risk Jesus Ferreira, but do I do I need to do that? Probably not. I'd probably have to go with Timber, to be honest. Mm. Mm, yeah, I'd, that's going I kind of doubt. Rare. I think Timber well, might play. I think Timber. We'll play. I've got. Um, yeah. I've got a fun one because I got Davis and uh, Jonathan David, and then I got Ooh, obviously I got Declan, I got Declan Rice and Musiala, so that's kind of like a nice, that's like a a heart team. I mean, they could do well as well, but like no, I like that. I, I have the team. I, like I wonder if Cody Gakpo can get. He's another player that's like obviously hyped up, and he's all he's been putting up unreal scores and so rare, and he's getting a bit of recognition sort of in the wider world. And I've got his card right now, and he's. He's bagged. I think he bagged last game for the for the national team and had a good game by all accounts. I think it was against Belgium. So maybe he's someone who can break through. And if he does, then uh, yeah, could be could be a big move on the horizon for him in the summer. Mate, when I like referring back to the whole twenty million pound thing after one big thing, if he could do something at this World Cup, he just instantly doubles in price. Like we were to what were we talking twenty thirty million one there? Like Leeds and Southampton were sort of sniffing around him for. Mm he has to double. Like if he's going yeah. to perform in the World Cup and do a lot, which I think he can, I think he's great. Um, and I think Van Hal will sort of utilize him for sure. Um, yeah, I think you're talking, yeah, you're talking mega money, aren't you? Yeah, he's flying. Sure. He's coming with confidence, isn't he? He's absolutely flying. Unbelievably. I mean, I could go oh. Enzo Fernandez if if he makes the squad. It's, he's like, yeah, these are all sort of like fringes. You know, I haven't got, I probably got three nice players in, in Costa, Pedri and Nico that I'm confident in. Then I'm I'm sort of sweating on the next one. Fatty, if he makes the team, Jesus Ferreira, like we said, T- Timber's probably the most nailed out of the out of the sort of the rest of them, I guess. All right. Well, thanks so much to Harry for coming on. We really appreciate. It. Obviously, you've got you've got a new podcast here, a Value of Talent, that you can get on Spotify and Apple. So definitely go check that out. But we appreciate the time and look forward to it. And enjoy Qatar, my man. Thank you, guys. Yeah, and no, I appreciate you having me on. Hopefully, I can come on for my hat trick pretty soon. Yeah, never had a hat trick in in Sower and State's history, so we we gotta have to make that happen.